Hi, welcome to, uh, oh, what is this podcast called again? Um, Saga Space, right? It, it's been a hot minute since I've posted anything. I've been out of sorts because of a change in living situations, which hasn't fully been figured out yet. And that has, uh, resulted in me not wanting to do any of the creative things that I like to do in my spare time over the last few months, unfortunately. Instead, I've been distracting myself as people like to do, or at least like I like to do, when I'm faced with a situation that stresses me out. So playing games and watching too much YouTube instead of doing the things that I had thought were really interesting, like this podcast and occasionally Twitch. Um, yeah, yeah, so, but I've had a lot of uh, spiked eggnog today, so I'm thinking why not just go ahead and do the introduction. All right, so here I am. Um, I did do two stories in the uh, the period of time between Sawin Chase and now which has been a bit of time, almost a month, if not a month. Um, Both stories were pretty short, and I wasn't very happy with either of them. I'm not too bothered saying that. It's just, I've been so worked up in my mind, stressed in a, I don't know, however I sort of give off stress, that I couldn't bother to sit down and actually legitimately write something like I had the other stories. Um, but there's two stories I do have. Uh, I think Shadowy Spot is the first one. Um, now, how have that be the second one? Uh, because it's a little darker in tone. Um, obviously, Shadowy Spot kind of gives it away. Uh, jazz. Slow Jazz? What's it called? Bear with me. I'm sorry. Uh, Lost Jazz and Shadowy Spot. They will be the stories for today since they're both very short and this can be a longer episode i don't i don't care if you're willing to listen that's lovely thank you but i wanted to give as a preface and kind of a conclusion to Sawin chase just a little bit of exposition based off of that exposition is that the right i don't know if that's the right word some explanation i'll just say that um in case you as the casual listener aren't aware and may have been somewhat confused in Samhain Chase. Um, there are a few sort of Irish folky things in there that I threw in um, while writing it, which just so also happened to uh, fit together quite nicely. Um, kind of a clunky dink. But otherwise, um, the Dulahan, um, which you hear in the story, is the headless rider uh, in the U.S. We usually know the Dulahan as uh, uh, from the folkloric story of Sleepy Hollow. Well, it could be a direct um, inspiration to the Sleepy Hollow creature. Or Sleepy Hollow, I I looked it up. There's, I couldn't find anything that specifically uh, provides a link between the Sleepy Hollow creature and the Dulahan. Maybe the writer 
I can't remember the writer's name right now. I'm not going to look it up. Sorry, folks. Uh, maybe he was inspired by the Irish myth. Maybe not. Maybe he was inspired by a multitude of other stories out there. It was the 1800s. He could have been inspired by some other headless, ghostly writer. Anyway, the Dullahan in an Irish myth is, you know, an, it, it, it has its head cut off, obviously. Um, it rides around holding its head, not necessarily always in a, in a, uh, on a horseback. Sometimes it rides around on a kind of death carriage or a death cart. Um, let me see. I had the name right here. Uh, it looks from the, how it's spelled, Quist Bodhar, but it's apparently pronounced Kochaboer. I'm not Celtic. I'm not Irish. I should say Irish instead of Celtic since Celtic was a vast range. Um, not Irish. I don't know Gaelic, but we'll go with Cochaboer uh, since that's what this website says. Um, that the the Dullahan tended to ride on um, and conveniently rode with a banshee, which I also have in the story. As uh, I, I kind of morph it so it's also a shapeshifter. I don't know if banshees technically were shapeshifters, but I think there's some give and take there. I think you can you can put some creatures together. There might be a banshee like uh, uh, shapeshifter in some myths mythology somewhere. I know, for example, that there are I don't remember what it's called right now, but there's a like a water horse creature in I want to say some sort of European mythology probably Britain or Scottish or Irish, somewhere in the UK, probably. That's like a water horse creature that uh, morphs into a lovely woman and then to lure in some potential victims and then morphs back into like this water horse thing and kills its victims in the water. Or they drown, you know, it pulls them down like Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness Monster myths could be connected to that. I'd I don't know. I'm kind of pulling stuff out of my butt right now, but I don't care. This is my podcast and you're listening. So thank you. Um, so if that exists, I'm sure there can be like a Banshee thing there, but the Dullahan anyway, on its death cart, it is known also for throwing blood on people rather than just straight up decapitating them like sleepy hollow. And, um, it throws blood on a person, which, uh, tells them that they are to die within a day, a few days. It's kind of a a way of knowing that you are a potential upcoming victim. Didn't include that in the story. That's fine. Um, but the fact that the Dullahan is also the writer for the Banshee, it's kind of cool and convenient, since the Banshee's call in Celtic myth, or Irish myth, I should say, uh, when you hear it screaming out, which, by the way, Irish myth, the banshee is possibly mixed in with uh, a type of owl screech that could be heard at night. Because every time I looked up, like, what could be the uh, the reason behind a banshee screech at night, there's a certain type of owl, don't recall what it is right now, it could be a barn owl, that has this horrific screech that could be the... Uh, the origin of the banshee howl that we know of in stories. Um, anyway, when you hear this banshee howl, it's supposed to uh, 
result in or be a premonition of your own demise, just as that bucket of blood is from the Dulahan. So it makes sense that they ride together in this death cart or silent cart or silent wagon. Um, now, a lovely little convenient thing that I didn't wasn't aware of when writing the story, but then I came across after the fact when looking at the Dulahan, was the fact that Puchin, I think I'm saying that right now. I always think I'm saying it wrong. I could be. Puchin is uh, the drink that our uh, protagonist uh, partakes in in the story. And Puchin is like an Irish moonshine. It has a, a kind of history of being illegal, at least during British occupation of Ireland, um, because it's kind of a, it, it, it can be easily created and produced by anyone. And if they have the right uh, tools at their disposal in maybe their sheds or woods or, you know, whatnot, same as moonshine in the U.S. And it probably was unable to be taxed. Who knows? I It's been a long time since I've listened to a podcast by uh, Irish podcaster Blind Boy. He did the whole thing on Puccini. But it's been about two and a half years since I've listened to that Puccini podcast. So I and I haven't looked it up re- recently. Uh, but anyway, Puccini is uh, notoriously strong, notoriously uh, dangerous during this period too. Because, I mean, it would be... The story is taking place in like the 1800s. Um, and Puccini would therefore be unregulated and thus dangerous. Because who knows how they're producing it, what they're putting in it. Um, and thus... It also could have, I mean, it's the 1800s. I don't know how much the uh, the government would be um, deciding and regulating its, uh, its effectiveness. I don't know. Its strength or whatnot. Anyway, Puccini is, has some correlation with uh, stories of the Dulahan and probably creatures in general because it, drunkenness. Um, don't expect proper grammar here i'm just talking into a mic um but it it caused such strong visions through its drunkenness visions not visions um people got real drunk they saw some stuff they freaked out possibly died that's puccine um just like if we got blind drunk uh on what is it white lightning (laughs) moonshine uh and it's like I don't know, 90 proof. I'm not a liquor guy. You just, you go blind drunk. You, you, you start seeing some weird stuff out there, especially if you cross it with some, I can't think of anything, some some bad liquor, some bad alcohol. If you cross it with some turpentine, especially if you cross it with some turpentine, that's going to be some bad liquor. You might start seeing some deathly things. Anyway, so... That's uh, that's how that all links together. So he gets real drunk on Puccini. Who knows? Maybe he doesn't see the Dulahan. Maybe he does. Maybe he's real... I don't know. I I just kind of... I threw that in there, and it just so happened that that was a, uh, a common explanation for under, I guess, the history of Puccini and mythology. I found that somewhere. Um, also... In the story, we have our character, our titular character, dancing with his uh, 
is maiden lovely at the festival prior to all the horrific events later on in the night. And uh, they're dancing to this tune that is in, it, it, it's a folk, it's like a folk tune that was created in the mid 1800s, which uh, is rather convenient. So he, <laughs> this isn't a historical story, but historically speaking, he would have probably heard this tune because I think it was developed in the 1830s or 40s um, called, uh, I need to look it up real quick. Called Star of the County Down. So there's this folk tune called Star of the County Down, um, which is an absolute blast to play and, well, to play, to listen to. I don't play it. Um, at least I think so. I, I went through a whole phase back in uh, 2018 where I was listening to uh, the High Kings, which are this Irish folk band. And I was real into their music, still am. It it helped me get through an office job that I absolutely despised. But Star of the County Down, it's a real fun tune. There are some tunes for it that are, or by other bands, that aren't quite as catchy, as fun, as uh, as rhythmic. But um, it, it's folk. You can do whatever you want with it. And I love the Hikings version. And I threw that in there because I love to end, unfortunately... I couldn't find a free version that I could incorporate into the podcast. And I didn't want to go ahead and pay for a subscription fee or some other whatnot thing to throw in there. So I threw in some some other song. Um, but if you are feeling bored and you want to listen to some Irish music, there you can go see the go to the High Kings YouTube page or whatnot, uh, Amazon Music, who knows, wherever you get your music. And listen to Starve County Down. I love it. I love all their songs. Um, just thought I'd throw in that little tidbit because it's a blast. And I was listening to it while uh, writing that section, I think. I did make a minor mistake in this writing, though, because I said it was Rose. It's Rosie uh, as the name. It's uh, Rose McCann. Instead of Rosie McCon, is what I wrote. So it should have been Rosie. I think, regardless, doesn't matter. Um, anyway, uh, the stories will continue after this. I'm not in love with them, but I, I need to have a podcast out there. Otherwise, this will just fall behind like every other little thing I've meant to keep up in life. So thank you for uh, listening to this. It's uh, going to be slightly longer than usual. Blame the spiked nog for $10. And I will hopefully see you next time. See you. Talk to you next time and you'll hear me through your mm, headphones, speakers, whatever. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Treat your everybody that you come across with compassion. The sound of soft jazz wafts over the breeze from the open window of a flat on 3rd Avenue. If we follow the lazy notes lulling their way through the opening, we'd find that they guide us to a fairly new record player below the edge, only a few months old, part of the new fad of vintage devices reborn in the 21st century. 
A giggle draws your attention to the right, pulling your gaze over a dimly lit apartment with earthy colors vibrating off the walls and floors with a dull bass thrum. There are meager decorations on the tabletops and floor, and three bookcases piled with various tomes of genre type and breed. In the corner of the room sits a guitar and saxophone, nestled in their stands, vibrant with a life well played, now awaiting further musical overtures in their noisy nook. The source of light comes from four candles spanning the perimeter of a comfy lump seat. Snuggled into an oversized, crocheted, autumn-themed sweater sits a woman, knees up and to her chest, burrowed into the side of the couch with a book supported by her knees and thighs. On closer inspection, the book she holds reveals itself not a history or biography, nor a fantasy or sci-fi novella, but a simple, cheeky romance, its cover dripping with smut like the wax pooling in the fir tree scented candle on the stool beside her. As she turns the page to witness the next climax of events, she squeals with delight and turtles her head down further into her sweater, cheeks burning red with embarrassment and revelry. The afternoon passes on just like this for quite a peaceful, jazzy while. Hushed squeaks from the woman, melodious woodwinds from the record, and the crispiness of paper as pages are flipped in the book. The sounds of the calming city outside only add to the cool cacophony of music spilling out into the soon-to-be night air. We can see the notes catching the breeze like some scene from Fantasia, eluding one another, dancing sharps and spinning flats, filling the air both inside and outside the apartment, the smell of brass almost transposing with the smell of fir candles. A knock on the door seems to pull the rug up from this tiny club. The woman sits up quickly, surprised by the knock looking at her watch, then suddenly struck with memory and excitement as she goes quickly to answer the door. The loss of the sound of pages turning disrupts the dance occurring throughout the space. The candles seem to flicker with less color, less life. The notes dull. A memory of whatever occurred is quickly fading like a dream upon waking. Two other women enter the flat and words are exchanged, words of greeting, excitement, delight, words that are foreign to what was. The electric lights blaze on, bleaching the room with brilliant white light, destroying the vestiges of calm yellow fire and forcing away the shadows that once held power in the space. The woman removes her big sweater and replaces it with a tight black faux leather jacket, more fashionable than practical. She blows out the candles. Wisps of dying smoke flow over the ambient life and what was that lovable text of smut now lost with the introduction of these new distractions. She goes over to the record and turns it off, and we follow the final notes as they retreat out the window. Survivors of a once blissful evening, now lost in a world of chaotic vibes, lackluster and without bass or reed. We continue on from that flat, music now lost, and venture on to the next place of music perfect ambience, wherever that should be. Fragmented. Shattered. I can't seem to put the pieces together. 
My head feels feels like a jumble of marbles in a bowl. Who was I? Am I? I feel so cold. What happened? What even is? I can't see anything, but I can hear a rumble, distant and steady. It's so black, dark, so very dark. I can't stop the trembling. It sets on so quickly and takes me over. My heart is beating so rapidly. My breathing is shallow. I'm so scared, but I can't recall anything. I'm just afraid. I reach a shaking hand out. It goes and goes and nothing. There's nothing around me, nothing to feel, nothing to grip, nothing stable except for this cold ground upon which I sit, shaking and scared. Time passes as I shiver in the dark. It passes slowly, steady as the rumble. I can't move. I refuse to. Do I even decide? The effort is too great. If I just sit, I don't have to do anything. I hate it, but I can't stand trying otherwise. Time passes. I can't tell how long. I can't tell anything at all. I just shake. Slowly, ever slowly, the floor seems to warm. Gradually, it doesn't feel as cold. I still tremble, but my breaths are easy, and I manage a deep gulp of air. It fills me like honey, soothing the anxiety blanketing me, and suddenly I feel exhausted. The dark doesn't seem so frightening anymore. It's somehow softer, more welcoming. I feel my head loll to the side. I feel so tired. I can breathe so easily now. I'm not shuddering any longer. My shoulders collapse after another deep intake of air. I feel toward the ground. My knees and my shins, they ache from sitting for so long. I slowly lower myself onto the ground and it feels like a lover's embrace. It swaddles me with its dark blanket. My head rests on a shadow pillow and the black of sleep envelops me. Time passes now as well, but I pay it little mind. I'm drifting in an endless expanse. I don't see anything, but I can hear a low, warm thrum which comforts me. My shattered memories feel less jagged and come together in a gentle, interwoven pattern of events and places. I don't feel so lost anymore. I can see myself. I can feel who I am. My dreams begin to feel more real. 
And that lonely, dark, freezing spot that I spent so much time starts to feel like the nightmare. I open my eyes and the light strikes me. A warm, glaring light, brilliant and blinding, and I can see colors. I can breathe easy. I take a deep breath and I smile, a real smile, because I know who I am now.